everyone. I'm Rania Kalik, and this is Dispatches. The corporate media complicity during the genocide in Gaza has been shameful, to say the least. All the major networks and papers act as stenographers for the State Department and White House and the Israeli army. They almost never challenge the genocidal spin pushed out by U.S. regime and Israeli regime spokespeople. But there are some reporters who've maintained their integrity. Rather than accept the lies spewed about human shields and Israel's right to defend itself by people like John Kirby and Matt Miller, there are still some great journalists out there challenging them on their BS. Today, I'm joined by one of these brave journalists, Saeed Arakat, who holds the Biden administration's feet to the fire on the regular. Saeed is a Palestinian journalist and the Washington bureau chief for the outlet Al-Quds Daily. But before we jump into it, this is just the first part of this episode. The full episode is available to Breakthrough News members only. You can become a member at patreon.com slash Breakthrough News. Saeed, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rania. It's great to be with you. It's so great to have you on. And, you know, I've been watching, as I'm sure many people who are uh, watching this uh, video have also been watching you hold the Biden administration's feet to the fire by finding the will to go to these press briefings regularly uh, and ask them the hard questions that very few other journalists are willing to ask. And I want to get into some of that. But before we before we do, I wanted to get your comment on one thing in particular, and that is this statement that was released by uh, the White House. Uh, it was a statement marking 100 days of the genocide in Gaza, but of course it's titled, for those who are just listening, the statement is titled, Statement from President Joe Biden Marking 100 Days of Captivity for Hostages in Gaza. I'm not going to go through this statement because it's not worth reading, but it's really disgusting. It basically uh, talks only about the Israelis that are being held uh, in Gaza and says nothing about the at this point, I think it's probably like hit 30,000 uh, Palestinians who've been killed by Israel in the last uh, less than four months at this point. Uh, not a word, not a word about those those deaths, those murders. So, Saeed, as somebody who's regularly hearing statements from the spokespeople for this administration, what was your initial uh, what were your initial thoughts when you saw this statement from the White House? Thank you, Rania. Great question. I actually posed the, this very question today to the, uh, the spokesman of the State Department uh, because uh, there was a, a, an interview that Thomas Friedman of the New York Times conducted with Blinken and Davos, and he asked him whether uh, Palestinian lives were as worthy as Jewish lives, uh, to which he said, uh, yes, uh, I mean, or there is no, they don't matter um, Jewish lives do not matter more. I think that was the answer. So I asked the spokesperson, how do you square this against a statement issued by the president a couple of days ago, uh, referring to the statement that you have posted? And, uh, you know, uh, and uh, of course, Blinken also issued a very similar statement, Rania. So uh, none of, them, none of them, uh, the statements mentioned uh, the Palestinians in any way. Uh, so, uh, you know, he, of course, uh, dancing around the question, he says you can't judge uh, uh, by one statement or two statements. But it truly is uh, astounding. The statement itself, the fact that ignores it ignores about 100,000 Palestinians dead, uh, missing, and injured, you know, let alone the hundreds of uh, a couple million people, uh, you know, displaced and so on. 
uh, is really a new low for this administration. It is uh, has completely abdicated, and um, you know whatever uh, moral uh, ground it had before or claimed to have before, and um, it doesn't even care anymore. Uh, simply uh, saying that uh, Palestinian lives don't matter, no matter what they say. And the the fact of the matter is that this uh, uh, administration that has so uh, you know brutally and consistently uh, supplied Israel not only with the arms and the munitions and so on, but also with the political cover uh, to go on and do uh, what they have been doing since uh, October 7 uh, and October 8. So the statement itself is, uh, you know, a, a new low. I mean, it's uh, shameful, of course, uh, or maybe shameless, uh, but they, don't even, they didn't even come out and say, uh, we want to rectify this. We will issue a statement uh, on the horrendous loss of life among Palestinians or what is happening to them. Uh, but in fact, they, uh, you know, they they have not done anything since then. But uh, um, they've had many many opportunities to respond to this uh, issue, and basically, uh, they declined to do it. It really, it is really stunning. And um, I I wanted to ask you in particular a question about journalists. I mean, you're a Palestinian journalist and you're watching, you're watching your colleagues be hunted down, um, killed, having their families killed in Gaza. Um, I mean, I, this is, I, I think at this point, it might be more or less. I saw it was 111 journalists have been killed in yeah. Gaza. Uh, and <laughs> It's just utterly shocking and disgusting. And, you know, there was this um, there was this this video after the uh, killing of Ham, I, I believe it was Wa'al al-Dahdus, Dahdus, his son, who was killed. Yeah. And there was a statement uh, put to Anthony Blinken uh, about this. And um he was essentially, I mean, he was asked to comment on it and here's his response. I'm just going to play it real quick because I just, I want to play his response. I want to get, I want to get your response to his response. I am deeply, deeply sorry for the almost unimaginable loss suffered by uh, your colleague, all that do. I am, uh, I'm a parent myself. I can't, begin to imagine the horror that he's experienced, not, not once, but now, now twice. It's uh, an unimaginable tragedy. So I'm curious, Saeed, uh, what is, you know, what's your thoughts on, on Anthony Blinken's statement there? Uh, and moreover, you know, talk to me about how it's been the last few months watching these journalists be targeted and killed by the Israelis. It is horrifying uh, because, you know, these are the people that basically tell us what's going on. Uh, Israel prevents any journalist from going in. There is a complete... Uh, uh, you know, I guess discharging of duties, if you want to call it, by the Western press. We have not seen them try. I think there was an attempt by one uh, uh, CNN journalist, Molly, I can't remember her last name, uh, and so on. She went in and she reported from there. Uh, but uh, of course, she was accompanied by uh, Israelis and she was embedded uh, with them. So it is really, it is horrifying. And I will tell you what is even uh, uh, more, you know, heart trending is uh, the fact that 
they don't even mention the bloggers or the, the, the freelancers and so on. So probably the numbers are staggering. Mm. The numbers are staggering. So, you know, and this administration, I mean, the U.S. administration today, today Miller was asked about the journalists and he said there are some 73 journalists killed uh, as if this is really makes it, you know, uh, okay uh, and not the 117 or 113 uh, journalists that um, have been killed or are now to have uh, been killed. You know, I don't want to comment really on uh, Blinken's uh, comment. I mean, he made it uh, in, in Qatar, Doha. Uh, we know that, uh, uh, you know, back in October, um, the um, Axios, uh, Barak Ravid, uh, wrote about uh, a meeting that uh, Blinken had uh, with Jewish Americans. You know, he also had uh, on that day a meeting with Arab Americans. And he was, uh, in his meeting with the Jewish Americans, he assured them that he spoke uh, to uh, the Emir of Qatar to tone down Al Jazeera rhetoric. And lo and behold, you know, a couple of days later, uh, we saw the targeting of the family. I'm not drawing any connection, nor am I insinuating in one way, shape, or form. But I'm saying that uh, uh, this administration definitely has not been sincere uh, about uh, Palestinian journalists. Um, you know, it has made a great deal of fuss in the past about journalists in other conflict zones like Ukraine, other places, uh, and so on. So, you know, uh, that that's a thing. But uh, on the Palestinian, you know, they... Uh, I asked a question on this on January 2nd, the last time we had a briefing was January 2nd, and I asked about the targeting of uh, Palestinian journalists, and he, he said they have no evidence that Israel targets uh, uh, Palestinian journalists or, uh, you know, does it on, on purpose with, with intent. They always have this caveat that Israel does not intend to kill either civilians or journalists or, or medical staff or doctors or target hospitals all just one big accident. It's amazing the level of denial. I mean, the Israelis will literally, they could come on and admit to all of it. They do admit to a lot of what they're doing and you'll still have these spokespeople denying it. Um, I wanted to ask you, you know, Said, I mean, you, just as I have, I mean, we've seen, we spent all our lives watching Israel be incredibly brutal towards Palestinians, towards the rest right. of its neighbors. Uh, it's not surprising, right, that mm-hmm. that Israel kills bombs, target civilians. We're, we're used, we've seen this, right, for a long time. This is what Israel has done since its founding. Uh, exactly. but, but there is something, I think, um, uniquely disturbing about the scale of this violence. I, 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 you know, we've seen this, but not on this scale, right? We've, I've never seen, for example, the systematic targeting of hospitals and the killing right. of all the doctors are taking them, you know, uh, hostage or, you know, just wiping out entire, not just one residential blocks, but the entire neighborhood, right? right? It's just to such an extreme degree and the open incitement to genocide. So I guess I raise all that to ask you, you know, from when this started to now, from October 7 to now, have you been surprised? Has this shocked you? Um, what are your thoughts on how far the Israelis have gone? And has there been a, maybe an evolution in your level of shock from October 7th to now? Well, you know, as, as you said, uh, Israel has always practiced genocide and the killing of Palestinians and destroying their homes and their roads and so on. But you are right. I mean, not this, you know, it shatters the soul, it staggers the soul, really. This level of uh, uh, huge and staggering um, bombardment of civilian areas because, 
you know, as you mentioned in the past, everybody mentioned uh, that Gaza is one of the most densely populated places on earth. You know, wherever you hit, you're going to hit uh, civilians. I mean, it's uh, under the pretext of human shields or whatever they call it, uh, uh, that uh, Hamas is using these places from, to hide in and so on, which uh, there was no evidence thus far. There's been no evidence uh, of doing that. The truth of the matter that the level of brutality uh, is uh, un unmatched in the past uh, with the intensity of it. In fact, the Pentagon itself said that uh, at this rate, if we don't keep supplying Israel, it would run out of uh, munitions in three or four days. So that shows you the amount of, uh, of munitions that is being, uh, you know, uh, that Gaza is being bombarded with uh, day in and day out. And this, of course, comes from the United States of America, almost 100% of the, the munitions that Israel is using is uh, the, it's American-made and American-supplied. Uh, this uh, administration, twice uh, thus far, uh, in, um, or you know, in one month actually, in the month of December, twice they uh, bypassed Congress to send uh, ammunition to uh, to Israel and to send arms and so on, uh, which is something that it has to do, but it did not. It used its stockpiles because they do have prepositioned stockpiles, including in Israel. They they use those um, uh, to make sure that Israel can continue with its uh, the, this um, onslaught. And there are a number of reasons for that, in my opinion. I mean, some of them are the the fact that uh, the, the the Palestinians were able to mount or Hamas was able to mount such an attack and uh, basically succeed in destroying. Uh, uh, Israeli intelligence uh, and uh, um, uh, inflicting heavy casualties on the, the supposedly the crackest of all crack units, uh, uh, you know, that were actually in their command and control centers. Uh, the fact that they were able to do that, um, uh, Israel was determined and the U.S. was determined and the Europeans, the colonial Europeans were also determined uh, that this should not be uh, a lesson for any uh, Arab or any uh, third world mm -hmm. Any uh, anyone from the the global south that they can do this, so they want to make sure that the punishment is far far outweigh uh, anything that they deem reasonable. You know, I mean, the loss of one Palestinian to me is a one too many. Uh, but um, they feel that uh, they they will continue to do this because there are lessons to be drawn. If the Palestinians can do this, and the Lebanese can do this, and the people in the West Bank can, can do this, and the Gaza can do this, you know, this whole colonial project will come crumbling down. And in fact, for a moment or two, it has crumbled down. That's why we saw the dispatching of uh, uh, huge naval forces and so on. The USS Ford, uh, which is the biggest uh, and largest and most wondrous uh, aircraft carrier in the world that has a task force of 12 other ships. They send in amphibious ships with Marines. They send in the USS Eisenhower. We saw all this because they felt, oh my God, oh my God, look at this, they're, com they're coming apart. So that is one uh, of the reasons. And the other reason is, is uh, Israel sees may, there may be an opportunity in this that you, know, you can uh, create another Nakba and drive the Palestinians out of Gaza and move them once and for all. And we have seen the, uh, this actually made in statement, one statement after the other, but by many uh, uh, Israeli officials, including the, the Prime Minister of Israel himself, including the uh, Defense Minister uh, of Israel, Gallant, including people in the opposition, uh, Benny Gantz uh, and others, or Lapid. I mean, all of them, all across uh, what claimed to be the political spectrum, there's really no daylight between the, the different groups, you know, whether there is a liberal or uh, 
uh, right-wing uh, extremists and so on. So we saw uh, the, the, uh, all these statements. You know, they point to one thing, that Israel sees an opportunity to basically liquidate the Palestinian uh, cause and liquidate it once and for all and destroy it and drive the Palestinians out, drive them to Gaza, drive them to Sinai, drive them elsewhere. And this is still ongoing, by the way. I mean, this is... They, they, they tell people, go to this place, and then they bomb it. Now, obviously, uh, the intent is to kill as many uh, Palestinians as possible. Yeah, there's no question about that. That was so well put uh, about like the reason the U.S. is investing so much in this. Um, and obviously, you know, it's so, it's so ridiculous because the Israelis... I think have bitten off way more they can chew than they can chew. I, they've been at this for almost four months and they have failed to achieve their military objectives. You know, they keep claiming that they've achieved them, but then they'll say, oh yes, we've secured the north of Gaza. And then Hamas launches rockets from the north of mm. Gaza. So right. no, you have not secured the north of Gaza. Um, but I want to I want to go back to the what you were saying about the US for a moment. Cause mm. you know, I asked you if you're surprised by how far the Israelis have gone. And it sounds like you're, and it sounds like, yes, you are, but you're not basically. I think that's where exactly. we all are. But what about the U.S.? I mean, given what, how you just very, very beautifully explained why the U.S. and the Europeans are backing this, are you surprised? And maybe, you know what, let me wait before I let you answer that because I do want to play just a couple of short clips from some of the questions that you've put to the spokespeople for the White House and the State Department. And I'm sure a lot of people have probably seen some of these clips. You're really doing God's work. Um, by do by going there because you're you're one of such like there's nobody else really challenging these people they just accept what said mm. what's lied about as fact so here's um here's you and uh I believe this is Matt Miller right right Matt Miller who I don't know how this man goes to sleep at night because he literally spends his day defending the murder of children but in this particular um exchange back in December early December you asked about the situation with babies and incubators, and let me just remind people, this was the phase of the genocide where mm. the Israelis were surrounding all of the, surrounding and putting under siege all of these hospitals in northern and central Gaza. And there were the uh, NICU units, the neonatal units where babies were in incubators. These premature babies who many women had to deliver through C-sections uh, because it was premature labor because of the situation they were in. They were so stressed and their bodies were so stressed under the conditions of genocide. They delivered these babies through C-sections without anesthetics in many cases. Think about that. Palestinian women were forced to deliver their premature babies without anesthesia with a C-section. I mean, I just can't wrap my head around that. But moreover, there was an incident at a particular hospital where the Israelis like, said that they would take care of these premature babies when they forced the staff out and promised them that they would take care of the babies and call the Red Cross, and they didn't. And the babies were left to starve and die. Um, and their bodies, it was like 17 days, for 17 days later, their bodies had decomposed, and that's how they were found. I mean, one of the mm. most brutal acts of this entire genocide has been the treatment of Palestinian infants. It's been horrific. So here's you challenging uh, Matt Miller. I'm going to play some of this exchange. Yeah, same. Uh, uh, on this issue, can you know? I mean, there's a great, great many rumors and so on that uh, talks about incentivizing Egypt to take like hundreds of thousands and so on. So you you that completely. That is so, not that is not something that has been discussed. You know, as it was allegedly discussed on uh, on Capitol Hill. So I 
I'm not going to respond to rumors, and I don't know. I, I don't know what you're referring to with respect to Capitol Hill, but it doesn't. It doesn't actually really matter. I, but I will reiterate the principles that the secretary outlined, and one of them is no forced displacement of the Palestinian people from Gaza. Okay, a couple of uh, other issues. Uh, there was a report that uh, Israel's assault forced the nurse to leave babies behind. Uh, they were found decomposing. Uh, are you aware of the story? Uh, I am aware of that report, okay. Saeed. And do you, do you take it as it happened, or if it did happen, is that a war crime? Uh, Said, I would say that is a tragedy. Um, okay. It's a tragedy for those babies. Right. It's a tragedy for their family members. Right. It's a tragedy for the Palestinian people, and right. it is a tragedy for the world. Okay. And it is why we have made clear that far too many Palestinians have been killed in, in this conflict. And that, of course, includes far too many Palestinian children and, of course, Palestinian babies. And it is why we have taken every measure we could to speak loudly and clearly to the government of Israel that it needs to do everything it can to minimize civilian harm. And it's why we have worked to try and move humanitarian assistance in. And it is also why I will say we have said that Hamas should stop hiding its fighters right. in hospitals. I'm, I'm so, about so, this particular incident. I, 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 I know, happened. I just, I just I, I, it gets to the, the very difficult nature of this war right. um, and the immense human tragedy um, that has been inflicted on far too many people. But if it happened, it's not a war crime, or is it a war crime? So, so I am never going to be able to make an assessment here. You saw us today make a conclusion about war crimes after a very deliberate right. fact-finding right. process where we then apply the fact. I mean, this guy's unbelievable. I don't know how you maintain your composure. I, I watch this, and I want to jump into the screen, and like, I'll be all the nicest thing I can say is I want to throw my shoe at him. Like, and that's, that's like a very generous, I'm like, I'm like playing down how boiling with rage I was when I saw that he's not only refusing, he's calling it a tragedy. He's calling the murder of babies, a tragedy as if they were killed by a tsunami or an right. earthquake or some natural disaster that was in no one's hands. Right. That's how right. he's making it sound. Not only that, he then blames Hamas for hiding behind baby. Like what, what is this? This is ridiculous. It's so absurd. How do you maintain your composure? Like, how do you not start yelling and shouting at these people? Well, sometimes <laughs> I'm yelling and shouting on, on the inside, you know, but I'm maintaining my composure on the outside because I don't want to be thrown out. I want to ask the follow-up question and so on. But you're right. I mean, it is very frustrating. We have to do a job. I mean, you know, in the end, uh, we have a job to do. We have to report on a lot of things that we don't like, you know, but we want to get at the, the bottom of what is really what what is the policy what how where they stand on these issues it's not only a double standard but it's a, yeah I mean it's a, whatever they say is so completely disingenuous I mean it's a, uh, their care and so on for people that always oppose uh, contextualizing they, they they said well but look at Hamas this war is very complicated uh, and so on although this is a clear cut this is a black and white issue we have uh, soldiers forcing say, medical staff out and leaving babies to, to die and then decompose. That is the that is the that is the case here. Nothing else. You know, we can talk about the war. We can talk about uh, who who is to blame and and all these things. Of course, my point of view is entirely different. But you know, uh, they can talk all about that. But we are talking about a single incident that was reported and uh, that was uh, authenticated. Not only uh, reported that. The Israelis, you know, um, pointed their guns at the medical staff, forced them out, 
and lead these babies to die, whether this is a war crime or not. And I think that, uh, yeah, according to U.S. laws and procedures and wars of uh, the, the laws of war and all these things, this is a clear war crime. But they will not uh, answer. I think that uh, you know to listen whether to the spokesperson in the State Department or the spokespeople uh, in the White House and to the president himself. I mean, they are uh, always dismissive of Palestinian lives. We know that uh, the president came out uh, early on and doubted this, a debunked story about, you know, decapitated babies and so on, and, uh, then uh, went on despite the fact that uh, he repeated it once uh, and twice and three times, despite that, the fact that his staff told him not to. Uh, and so on. They um, uh, exaggerated uh, um, uh, the, the, the whatever uh, news item about mass rape and so on, which was never really uh, in any way uh, credibly uh, authenticated. And the president himself, which is really be- should be beneath the presidency to talk about, you know, these issues and so on. But, you know, he kept uh, propagating the story and and um, uh, to the point where the Israeli says, hey, comment, to co- cool it down. In fact, the Israeli Ministry of Defense says, wait, wait a minute now. Cool it down a little bit. So we are, you know, I am not phased uh, at all by uh, what, where they stand and what they say, because let's face it, uh, Israel is a client state. Israel, you know, people say, I mean, the, the, the government of the United States like to, you know, to convey uh, to the world or to its listeners or whatever that Israel is a sovereign state. It's not. It's a client state. It lives on an, an American umbilical cord, whether it's Militarily, financially, politically, we see this time and again in the United Nations and the Security Council everywhere. And to say that we don't really have leverage, for instance, you know, we've heard this in the past few days, we don't leverage. I mean, um, we pay them four or five billion, whatever it is, dollars a year and so on. We sustain them, we protect them, we send our Navy to protect them, we supply them with guns and and so on, but we don't know how to leverage that. So uh, that is completely disingenuous, but you know, I bring this point just to say that their policy uh, is consistent. Their policy has always been consistent. I mean, you know, uh, I met my wife during the siege of Beirut. She was a doctor in, 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 in Beirut in 1982. And, you know, they, her, the hospital where she was was bombed. You know, she was there and she, you know, she survived by miracle. But the other people, her colleagues, did not. So this is an old story. This is not a new story. And the Israelis at the time came out and said, well, there were PLO people. They didn't say Hamas was not um, uh, around at the time. These are PLO people. So that's an old story. Uh, American justification is an old story. You know, these arms that we saw uh, bomb uh, Beirut and, and destroyed much like uh, they did much uh, to, to Beirut as they do uh, in Gaza. So all these things come together to basically state a U.S. policy that is historical, that is not something new. It's, it's become, um, you know, more and more shameless with every passing day, but then because it becomes normalized, you know, what, what, what we have seen. But really, the essence of the policy it does not change. It is no different than what they did in Cambodia or Laos or Vietnam or many other, or Iraq, of course, or Afghanistan, or, or what they do in, in Syria from time to time. So, you know, this is really a consistent uh, policy for a hyper-imperial power. No, that's 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 very, very true. And we always have to go back to remembering that. I think it's easy to sort of get stuck in these moments where you just get boiling with mm-hmm. anger. I just can't imagine my like 
spending my days going to defend genocide and call it anything other than what it is. Like, right. especially that baby clip. I mean, I want to show just like a couple other shorter, like short clips here uh, of you uh, bringing it mostly to Matt Miller. I think that's who you end up dealing with the most. Or the, the, I know there's another spokesperson you have backs and forth, back and forth with uh, quite often. But uh, this one in particular, uh, specifically, I just want this one, want to play this one because it's, you know, there, there's been so many horrors taking place all the time, but there's a couple that have just been so uniquely horrific. And one was the babies uh, that were their bodies decomposed and the Israelis let them starve. And then the other one is what they did to El Shifa Hospital. Um, it's just shocking what they did to El Shifa Hospital for... I mean, weeks and weeks, it was insane to watch this, this the biggest hospital in all of Gaza be put under siege as though it was like some sort of military zone. And so here you are asking, once again, Matt Miller <laughs> about uh, this. So let's see what he had to say. Can I follow up on this one, please? Uh, Matt, are you? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, now, you speak with certainty that Hamas is using a Shifa hospital as, as a, I did not speak to Al Shifa. I, I said in hospital. I said hospitals. Yes. Just to be, just to be, just to be I clear, side about the Shifa hospital. Yeah, you speak. You know for certain. You know for certain. The United States of America, the intelligence community, knows for certain that Hamas is using that as a command. So I, I am going to use my own words because you just misstated what I said. I'm not. No, no. Clear. Let me just. I, I, you did. So let me just. Let me just. Let me. Let me be clear. What I said, uh, I am not going to comment on any specific hospital to do so would require me to get into intelligence matters, which I'm not going to do from the podium. I will say as a general matter, yes, we do know that Hamas uses hospitals uh, and there is there is plenty of public reporting about this. You can read about it in the press using hospitals as command centers. Let me rephrase my question. Do you have does the United States have any evidence that Hamas is using this particular hospital, all the other hospital as command posts. Uh, with respect, with respect to a general matter, I will say yes, we do. You with respect, with 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 respect to a specific hospital, I'm not going to get into intelligence matters. But you know, you know, all the hospitals are completely out of service right now. You know, so let me just, you know, if you indulge me, uh, a few more questions on uh, this you want me to, issue. Okay. Yeah. On, on on this uh, very issue. So why don't you rely? I mean, as uh, there are. Norwegian doctors that served in that hospital that came out and said, you know, foreign, European doctors and say, this is nonsense, there's no command post and so on. Why don't you send them, you know, a, a commission or the Red Cross or ask anyone to go and see, because that's what they said, come and see it, come and see it and see if, if it's being used as a command post. Uh, Why don't you do that? Uh, I think that, that would, so, you know. So I, I would just say we feel fairly confident in the right. judgment we passed. We would welcome uh, truly independent observers going. I think that's a little unrealistic to ask for in the middle of a conflict. Uh, but uh, they are willing. Uh, uh, they are willing to do that. I think it's we have seen um, uh, we have seen Hamas uh, at times break its. I mean, again, your composure is amazing. Your composure in all of that is amazing. What is incredible to me is the way that. They that he's able to like say, oh yeah, we have evidence. I just can't show it to you. Like <laughs> I can't show it to you. It's incredible. We have evidence that it's okay to bomb this hospital, but we can't show you the evidence. Like, are you joking? I mean, I don't know if you have any general thoughts about that, but I, I, I I'd like to yeah. hear that. Yeah, go ahead, please. Yes, yes absolutely. I mean, uh, look, uh, none other than Ehud Barak, the former prime minister of Israel, who came out 
on CNN with Christiane Amanpour and said, listen, you know, we built this bunker and it was just an extension of the hospital to accommodate other operating room and so on. He said, we built it in the early 80s because the Shifa hospital was getting too small to accommodate uh, so many uh, guys and, and so on. So they came and they said, look, you know, there's nothing. Of course, you know, I don't want to go into what they showed as evidence, whether it's a rotational calendar in Arabic, which they didn't even bother to read. You know, you would think uh, after bombing so many Arab countries, they would have some decent Arabic translators and so on. <laughs> Literally, the evidence that they showed was, was uh, you know, an Arabic, uh, this doctor so-and-so writing in handwriting, uh, he comes in at six o'clock and so on. This was a, a, a calendar. They're saying that these are the Hamas fighters. They're signing in as if they, you clock in when you come in, you know, you know the, for being Hamas. Monday, they Tuesday, showed, and Wednesday. Right, exactly. <laughs> they show, yeah, they, they, they showed a couple of, uh, um, uh, couple of uh, uh, guns, a couple of rifles. Uh, in fact, uh, both myself and, and uh, Matt, uh, Matt Lee uh, from Associated Press uh, we said, you know, look, you know, in hospitals, in many hospitals throughout the world, in this country, you have armed guards. Maybe this is one of the um, armed guards, but of course, they refused to accept it. The fact is, Rania, they showed no evidence. There was not a shred of evidence. There's not a shred of evidence now. There was none then or before that, uh, that Hamas fighters are uh, have ever used this for the purposes that they said, they use it. Yeah, you probably at one time or another, you have a Hamas member going to the hospital. They get sick. They have, you know, their kids, they probably uh, their wives gave birth there or something. We don't know. But right. to use it as a command and control, and that's what my point was. You know, you have evidence that it was used as command and, and control. And of course, they don't have the evidence. They've never had the evidence. I mean, Israel targets these hospitals because they want to destroy um, uh, all all aspects of life that makes a place livable. Mm-hmm. That's what they want. They want to make Gaza uh, unlivable. So you go after the hospital, go after the school, go after the clinic, uproot the olive trees, uproot the lemon trees, destroy the roads, and so on. So this is systematic. This is systematic destruction because there's only one intent, and that intent is to make Gaza unlivable. You know, Although, I mean, in terms of, of uh, being crowded in terms of you know unsanitary waters and so on. This was before the war. The United Nations said that Gaza was unlivable. So now they want to destroy any semblance or any uh, any effort at the you know reassuming uh, some sort of a, a life uh, for for Gazans. So uh, that is the intent, and that's what the United States defends day in and, uh, and day out. They have always accused Hamas of hiding in these buildings. They never produced uh, anyone. Uh, to date, it's 104 days since this war began. We have not mm-hmm. seen uh, a single captured Hamas person that Israel can produce. Um, you know, we have not seen, uh, you know, anything that they can point out. They pointed to a um, uh, some sort of a milling shop that where Hamas was apparently making some rifles or something like this. We don't know how authentic that is. We don't know how they showed us the, uh, some of the tunnels we didn't see. So, you know, um, all their claims really have fallen flat on their face. Uh, you mentioned something about um, in the beginning about the, the goals of Israel, the state goals. And uh, we know we know what these state goals are. They said that they want to decapitate Hamas. They have not. They said that they want to hunt uh, their leadership in field. We're not talking, you know, of course, they assassinated Saleh Haruri in Beirut, you know, but 
infield. They have not been able to do that. They have not captured Sinwar. You know, they have not captured the military leaders of Hamas. They have not been able to change the regime as they wanted, as once uh, they called it. So it has failed completely. I mean, you know, uh, the sad, I mean, it's uh, sad for them that um, uh, after this whole war, is over, Hamas will still be there, both politically and militarily. And, you know, what you have, you have a total destruction, a total catastrophe that will continue to, you know, to sort of inflict Gaza for maybe decades to come. Of course. I mean, yeah, I don't know. This is not going to be an easy (sighs) whatsoever. And of course, I mean, guy, before you, I mean, just consider all of the kids who are going to have developmental issues. Right, right. Right. at like crucial ages they're being starved and their bodies are gonna it's gonna right. it's gonna affect their bodies for the rest of their lives um that's like one of so many problems to come but you know i want to ask you about the other journalists in the room um right. you know it's always you and maybe like one or two other people like matt lee you mentioned matt lee he's a he's a regular mm-hmm. right. challenging questions and every once in a while you'll hear a question that's a little bit challenging but it's not common what is wrong with everyone else? Like they must, I mean, this is, you know, usually I understand like all these corporate media correspondents yeah. uh, go along with the official line, but mm-hmm. do they just have the same attitude? I know you don't know what's in these people's hearts, but what do you suspect it is? Is it, is it just that they are all a bunch of imperialists who agree with the administration? Do you think some of this is self-censorship? Um, what's going on here? Why, why are you the only voice uh, who's consistently uh, holding these people's feet to the fire? Well, uh, Rania, uh, first of all, I must uh, admit that uh, since this Gaza war, uh, really, it's not just me. I mean, there okay. are, yeah, there are, uh, you know, all the other journalists, my, you know, my colleagues, whether from Reuters or AFP or, you know, the, the print media, they always ask uh, tough questions with varying de- degrees. They do have their priorities. Uh, as you mentioned, it's corporate media, so they're, their priorities are well stated, but uh, they do ask professional questions and so on. I mean, from time to time, you have a wacky uh, question coming out probably uh, from the right-wing media or, or something like this. But, you know, it, the mainstream media has always been uh, not, uh, you know, on, on, uh, on point, if you want, or, or, you know, it, it's not on the ball as far as issues that pertain to the Palestinians are concerned. I mean, we've also seen it... Uh, uh, in other places, for instance, uh, you know, on Ukraine, on Ukraine, uh, there is uh, almost uh, everybody reads off the same kind of uh, uh, fact sheet and so on. Uh, but with the Palestinian, because it is so enormous, I mean, you cannot just uh, gloss over this uh, tragedy. I must say that uh, you know, my colleagues have been, uh, I, I don't want to say supportive, they're doing their job because that's the kind of question that everybody should be asking. You know, it's being done by uh, their country, by their government, uh, in support of a foreign government that is uh, brutally carrying out a, a genocide. Nobody should stand for that. But uh, by and large, they do. You know, I mean, with uh, not maybe as uh, um, you know, with the same kind of intensity that I I do, or sometimes Matt, as you mentioned, Matt, Matt Lee and, and others. But you know, to their credit, uh, my colleagues, most of them, uh, ask proper questions. Well, you are you are so you are so polite, and you're also in the room with them. So I guess maybe right. you feel a certain um, 
yeah. a, a certain sentiment among the people in the room. I mean, do yeah. you feel like as opposed to other times in the past that at this point there is frustration among the press corps when it comes to what these spokespeople are saying? Yeah. Absolutely. I think that the fact that we began um, almost every, every briefing, we began every briefing uh, for the past 104 days with Gaza. And the fact that it goes from one person to another and so on, they're asking the question. It has garnered uh, the kind of, uh, uh, you know, I don't want to say spotlight, but the kind, the level of importance um, that uh, drives these journalists to ask the, the question. And it doesn't matter the content of the question, but it's always one, the question leads to something else and to other questions. And it, it makes the spokesperson either slip or say something he didn't want to say or she did not want to say and so on. So uh, there has been focus and uh, that focus is uh, very important to, to, to remain. I mean, you know, in the State Department, for sure. Um, it has garnered a great deal of the oxygen uh, in the past uh, uh, one and four days, 104 days, and so on. So that by itself uh, creates its own dynamic. So um, the, the issue uh, remains, you know, uh, not only in focus, but also, uh, you know, they are being spotlighted as to what they do, what they say, and what they don't say. Yeah, that's that's a good. I mean, that's that's interesting because that you know I, you wouldn't have thought said the same probably about the situation with Ukraine or the war in Ukraine, right. which was right. very much you know everybody was on mostly one side, uh, right. very lacking in nuance and accepting right. whatever the State Department says. And you got to think at some point, you know, if you're Matt Miller or like John Kirby, you got to think sometimes when they're saying what they have to say up on that podium, they're yeah. sitting there in their heads knowing someone's going to do a split screen of what they said about Ukraine versus what they said about Gaza. Right. Really? And they're like preemptively got to be embarrassed. Um, yes, yes, absolutely. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear the rest, you can access it by becoming a Breakthrough News member at patreon.com slash breakthrough news.